awesome thing to see the hand of God at move in so many people's lives. And, and that's just the beginning. Uh, one of the couples that uh, are getting baptized today, I had the privilege of leading them to faith in Jesus on Tuesday night at Life Group. And, and what an awesome thing to think of how God is transforming lives. How he's radically changing lives. And at church this morning, I'm excited to be a part of a church that's helping see the kingdom of God expand. And I want you to know that what we're witnessing is not a move of man. It's a move of God. In fact, when you see God at work, you can't, uh, you can't uh, take credit for that. Man can't take credit for uh, what God does and what God can do. See, he builds his churches. He uses men and women like you and me. He uses students. He uses kids and, and kids' ministry to help build the church of God. And folks, what we're experiencing is a move of God, and, and it's happening in churches all across our city today. It's happening in churches around the world. In fact, I was watching yesterday as the church in Lorena uh, and there in Nicaragua is, was having an outdoor meeting uh, there on their church grounds and, and seeing people come to faith in Christ. And church, that's it's so awesome just to see the church of God expanding. And, and don't sit back and take that for granted. Praise God for it. But folks, jump in with both feet. Allow God to use you for his glory. And this morning, we want to allow the Holy Spirit of God to take us and use us as part of the process of building his church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the word of God says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe it? What happens is when God is in charge, when he's doing the work, folks, we better get out of the way because God is going to do great and mighty things which we can't imagine in this lifetime. And over the last several years, so many churches have struggled. Many haven't survived. In fact, according to LifeWay Research, about 4,500 Protestant churches closed in 2019. The last year, that, that's the last year they have the data available. And uh, only 3,000 new churches were planted during that same year. So it's a net loss of 1,500 churches in the United States. It was the first time the number of churches in the U.S. hadn't grown since the evangelical firm started uh, studying this topic. With the pandemic speeding up the decline of church attendance in America, that broader trend is people are turning away from Christianity. Researchers say that the closures of church has only accelerated in the last four years. You say, Pastor, that's discouraging, it's, it's depressing, but folks, what I'm seeing is a move of God in his church Church that it's, can't be stopped by man. It's a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm thankful this morning to be a part of a church that's thriving and seeing people saved regularly, people baptized regularly, people added to the church regularly. And folks, what an exciting time to be alive. What an exciting time to be a part of a growing church. And let's jump into our text this morning as we see what God has for his church and how we can be a part of building up the body of Christ. I invite you to look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. It says, He gave some apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all co uh, attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, and he says, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? God, help us not to be content sitting on autopilot, taking the back seat and just watching the church move forward. God, would you get a hold of our hearts individually? God, help each one of us to understand the importance of engaging in church life and uh, being an active part of the church and seeing the, the church thrive and grow and mature and, and see it reach its mission and our vision, God, to make disciples here in this city and around the world. God, would you stir our hearts this morning? Help us never to be a church that sits back relying on the past. God, help us not to be a church that sits there lo looking around us and, and, and griping about the things that aren't perfect in our, in our world. But God, may we keep our eyes focused on you the author and finisher of our faith. God, would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? God, thank you for those whose lives are, are being transformed in our midst even right now. God, I pray for those who do not know you as Lord and Savior. God, that before they leave today, they'll get the matter of their salvation settled once and for all. God, we give you the honor and glory and praise for what you're going to accomplish. And all of God's people said, amen. Do you realize each one of us get to participate in the building up of the church of Jesus Christ. God has given us a role in church. We must be a functioning church member. We must be a functioning church member who's actively involved in making disciples of Jesus Christ. And the gifts listed here are different than those listed in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here we see gifts that are bestowed upon the church. They're sent to help deal with certain situations. The apostles were sent to help guide the infant church he says he gave apostles and and prophets were there to guard the infant church evangelists they were there to to deal with sinners and pastors and teachers were there to tend to and lead the church flock the apostles and prophets were foundational in the early new, new testament church the apostles had seen the risen savior they had walked with him they had talked with him and and so they had a, an anointing of God on their lives. And, and God used them in the early church. They were there to help the early church become established according to God's plans. The evangelists are always needed. And they are a unique gift of God. And I've heard many pastors talk about evangelists because they have a different gift than we do. Most evangelists uh, don't put them in a, in a pastor role in a church because that's now how God has gifted them. Uh, they're used to going in, they preach the gospel, people are saved, Christians are stirred up, and they move on to the next town. But you put them in one, one setting, oftentimes that's not the role of the pastor is the evangelist. And so God puts them in that role, and they come in, they preach, God does the mighty work, and then the pastor is there to help disciple, to train, to get them plugged into church life. And uh, many times you think of uh, 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 evangelist Billy Graham, he'd preach the gospel and such simple truths that he would expound upon and often using verses like John 3 16 and 
And God would use it and he would preach and oftentimes his, his voice was just a normal, not monotone, but just kind of a, a normal tone voice. And he would preach and literally hundreds and thousands would come to faith in Jesus Christ. If you and I preached the same exact sermon, uh, it would probably fall flat on its face because not that God's word doesn't return void, but the reality is, is God had uniquely gifted him as an evangelist. And the, the pastor shepherd has a, a different gift. And they're there to provide leadership and resources to help encourage believers to grow as disciples of Jesus. They provide care for those who are, are suffering and, and they shepherd the church they protect the flock. They lead the flock. They provide vision and, and direction for the church. And they're there when those are, uh, I, I like to say, pastors are there at the worst times in your life and the best times. They're there when you're having a, a, a baby and they're to celebrate the new birth and, and welcome new families into the church. They're there when you're struggling with, with, with a loss, a death, or, or a divorce, or any of those things. And folks, the reality is we see People at their best and their worst. And I love what verse 12 says. They're there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. In order to be a fully functioning church member, we must know the roles that God has given us. And folks, fulfill those roles as the pastor and teacher, as we're here to help equip the body I've got to take seriously the role that God has given me to help lead and direct the body of Christ. And it's a role that I take very seriously. The universal gifts, though, given to the church are intended to build up the local church and the universal church. Because as our church is strengthened, as, as we partner with other churches in our city just a couple weeks on the 7th of October... There'll be four or five, six youth groups gathering here in this worship space and lifting up the name of Jesus and exalting him and preaching the word of God and playing all those color war games and getting all that stuff in your eyes and ears and nose. And, but all of that is for the same common goal is to make disciples of our city, make disciples in our, in our, our region, in our part of the world. And the Holy Spirit never intended for those that, with these gifts to monopolize the ministry. The pastor's role is not to do every job in the church. Most of you know I, I grew up playing the piano. I love playing the piano. I played it a, a few Sundays ago before the message. But the reality is, is I need to use the gifts that God has given me now as a pastor and trust other people in those other gifts and other areas of service so that we can reach more people with the gospel of Jesus. That's why next steps are so important. Each person discovering where they fit into the body of Christ and getting plugged in and, and so that we can win more people with the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Each one of us, each one of those 13 that were just introduced are brand new members of the church. And church, we've got to include them. We need you. In fact, we're better because of you. We're stronger because of you. I had a conversation just the other day with one couple, and they were saying, we want to make sure if we join Calvary that we're not going to be set on a shelf, that we're going to be actively used. And folks, I'm like, we don't want people to sit on the shelf. We want to get all of the chairs, get into the game, and start serving and growing and building the church of Jesus Christ. We must realize God has a place for each one of us. 
And it, the church is so much bigger than ourselves. He's given us this huge responsibility to see the church fulfill its mission. So each one of us must fully function as a church member. Our mission church is together we lead and create disciples of Jesus. For this mission to be successful, every single person must engage. Every single person must say, hey, I see the role that God has. I see the vision. I see the mission. And I want to be a part of that process of making disciples of Jesus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Each one of us are part of the whole. Each one of us have a role to play within the church. And folks, it's so important to be involved in making disciples. So deciding to be a fully functioning member of the body contributes to a healthy, growing, vibrant church body that fulfills its mission. And folks, that's how we thrive. Now, let's determine this morning to be a fully functioning church member. Secondly, we must be a unifying church member. Paul is writing, he's given instruction, he says, each church has a wide variety of church members, and there are a multitude of reasons that people join a church. Some people look at it more like a country club, and they shop around to see which one has the best amenities, all right? I'm not a member of a country club, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a golfer. Uh, I, I'm not good at tennis. Maybe pickleball is my sport. Who knows? But uh, the reality is, is you know, everybody finds certain things that they're looking for in a church. John Christ is, is a, 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 a comedian, and he often makes light of, of certain things in church life. And he, uh, he talks about, you know, uh, he had a, a, a video series that was called Church uh, Hunters, like House Hunters on HGTV. It was called Church Hunters, and this couple is going around visiting all the different churches and seeing what they have to offer. And he said, now, this is your more traditional church. They have a choir. They have an orchestra. They have all of these things that you can listen to. And uh, the sermon is about 35 minutes long. And, you know, the, the pastor, uh, he's, he's a little bit more with it than some of the pastors in a more traditional church. He wears jeans and, you know, they're not ripped. They have, you know, some little holes in the middle, but they're, they're not ripped too bad. And, and he's given all these analogies and it, and they said, you know, uh, so they're asking these questions about this church and, and what it's like. And, you know, he says, we're kind of looking more for like a TED Talk with the Bible verse. Uh, we're looking for something that's about 20 minutes in length. And uh, we're not looking for something, you know, that last church was way too convicting. I mean, as, as the pastor got up to preach, I mean, we were feeling like a little under conviction and and that was a little too much for us. So we're kind of looking for something. He said, well, this one has lots of celebrities. Usher has visited this church. And, and they talked about some of the real housewives are members of this church. And, and it was all about the who's who of, of church life. The reality is churches, that is the wrong mindset. And looking at a church is what it offers me. What does the church offer me? When I was in college, there was a church in downtown Jacksonville that had a a five-story children's building. Pick your floor. You're in second grade, second floor. <laughs> third grade, third floor. And, 
And you know, between the third floor and the second floor, they had a Jonah and the whale slide that would allow you to go from the third floor all the way down and, and dump you out on the sand on dry land on the second floor. And I'm like, you can't compete with that. I mean, church, and so if you're going to church because of the amenities, you're going to church because of what it offers me, church, we're looking at the wrong thing. And folks, and I realize John, Media, John Chris is a comedian, but the reality is, is that's where we're at as a culture. We're looking at what the church offers me. We want a rock star comedian for a pastor who entertains us with a concert in under an hour. Am, am I right? We're at that point where as a culture and a society, we're looking is what does the church offer me and I'm going to visit around until I find just the right fit. The ultimate spiritual target of the church begins with the unity of the faith. The gospel is what unites us. And folks, if you look around, all of the new members that are joining this morning, every age group, ethnicity, people from other countries, people from right here in the U.S., there are Yankees that joined the church this morning. I mean, imagine that. I mean, they're allowed. I mean, we had people from the West Coast. I mean, from Denver uh, and, and from all everywhere in between, from Brazil. I mean, I love that because what happens is the church ought to reflect the community that we're in. It ought to look like the neighborhood that we live in. And folks, it ought not be about what it offers me, but church, how can I plug in and make disciples of Jesus? Christ doesn't want us floundering all over the place. Look at, our, at verse 13. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, as we're growing, churches, we're becoming more like Jesus. As we're starting to, to look like the word of God that we're reading, we say we believe. He says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about with by every wind of doctrine, by the human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Paul is talking about the church being united around the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants us to grow up in Christ, growing as a disciple of Jesus, and be all that he wants us to be until he comes to take, take us home. To me, seeking to be unified means we major on the major things and we minor on the minor things. Are you, are you tracking with me this morning? There are churches this morning where people walk in and, who picked this carpet? I mean, it doesn't match that carpet. I mean, I have a book in my library that I was looking at this week. It's called, Who Moved My Pulpit? That's where we're at. People get mad if you move the piano around from one side to the other. And I remember years ago hearing someone say, the, the, the Sunday drums show up on this stage will be my last Sunday at Calvary. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> I, I'm not being mute. I, what I love is the fact that over the years, people have understood it was not about them. And they start saying, you know what, I'm more concerned about making disciples in Raleigh and declaring the name of Jesus in Raleigh and in Nicaragua and Brazil and Romania than I am about my personal comforts. 
And folks, I'm thankful for, we have people that have been here from day one who have stuck through change after change after change, not for the sake of change, but for the sake of reaching our city with the gospel and saying, that is the most important thing. And church, I won't apologize for making disciples. We won't apologize for baptizing 10 people today. We won't apologize for the new people who are being added in every age range, mind you, because Jesus Christ is being glorified. His kingdom is being expanded, and he gets the glory for it, church. Sometimes people want to blame the pastor for their spiritual immaturity and say, well, I'm just not going back to church. I'm just not growing. Well, let's see the notes from the last... 12 weeks of of church attendance. Uh, Well, pastor, you know, I mean, uh, the reality is, is, you know, we're busy and we've got young kids and we've been sick and our kids play travel ball and we do this and we do that. And when was the last time you were there? Easter. When was the last time you were there? Christmas. Seriously? And you're blaming the church? God help us. If we are so self-absorbed that we would blame the church for our lack of growth when we don't attend. You know who the laziest person in your office is? The one who complains about everything. Mark it down. You know who the, 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 the worst church members are? The ones that complain about everything? They don't serve and they don't give a dime. Not a dime. He said, do you know what everybody in this church gives? Absolutely not. I don't want to be responsible for that. I remember many, many years ago when I was a kid, someone was griping and fussing, and they're no longer with us, and they were fussing and griping, and, and, and my dad was pastor then, and, he, and the, the church treasurer said, Pastor, don't worry about a single thing that that person says. They have not given one dime in all the years they've attended here. Don't listen to them. They're just griping. The reality is the people that always complain do nothing. And the people who always run their mouth give nothing. But those that are faithfully plugged in and involved and are making disciples of Jesus Christ can't wait to see what God's going to do next. Woo! I mean, some of you sit around going, man, I had no idea 13 new people were even coming to our church, much less joining. Wake up. Lift up your head, church. The church of Jesus Christ is moving forward. And the church at Corinth, they experienced disunity that that stemmed from their ignorance of Scripture, their spiritual immaturity. Sometimes people want to blame the pastor, but folks, the reality is, is look in the mirror. How much time are we spending in God's Word, seeking to grow deeper, spending on our knees in prayer? The Christers have never seen the church without live flowers. It's a poinsettia or a lily, and they don't know what the church looks like without it. So I'm not preaching to the choir this morning. You're here. But the reality is, is we have got to engage in making disciples of Jesus Christ. He's got a purpose for the church. And he wants us to be a unifying church member. A church member who's seeking the glory of Jesus Christ and making much of him. The reality is, is we don't make church a priority. We will never grow up and mature. And folks... The gospel can hit us upside the head like a two-by-four, and we wouldn't realize it. The world is dying without Jesus. The number of cars traveling up and down 1010 and 401 are growing by the thousands. 
As we're watching apartment buildings go up next door, someone said, Pastor, what is going on next door? I said, it's the elevator shafts for multi-story apartment buildings going up right beside us. You know what that does for me? It makes me excited because hundreds of people are moving to this intersection. You say, well, Pastor, I can't stand the traffic. Well, neither can I. But the reality is it's coming. There's nothing we can do about it but get on our knees and say, God, give us a passion. Give us a burden to win them to faith in Jesus Christ. And I look forward to walking out on Sunday morning and bike racks being lined up with bicycles because people can ride their bike to church. People are already walking to church from next door. Folks, the reality is, is that is the world we're living in and the opportunity we have to reach them with the gospel. Deciding to be a unifying church member means we prioritize what God says is important. Only a biblically equipped, faithfully serving, and spiritually maturing church can attain the unity of the faith. You have to engage in church life and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives to be a unifying church member. And then thirdly and lastly, we must be a faithful church member. The word faithful comes from a place of trust and loyalty. And when we understand our role to build up the body of Christ, it's impossible to do that if you're not faithful. It's one of the things this current generation can learn from our grandparents is saying they understood what faithfulness is. All the time, I'm looking at the older generation, and they retired after 40 years at the same job. 40 years. Served, I met a couple one time, they had been teaching middle school teenagers for 50 years in Sunday school. Talk about crowns. I mean, there will be so many crowns you're going to have back trouble putting them at the feet of Jesus. I mean, we're talking like uh, crowns for, for, for days, you know. And the reality is, is we can learn something about faithfulness from that generation. They don't miss. They understand what it means to be faithful. When we're looking for life group leaders in our church, we start looking around the church for fat people. <laughs> That's kind of interesting, Pastor. I think that's half of us. I mean, you know, we fall into that category. But we're talking about faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful, available, and somebody like, sign me up. I mean, Pastor, I got the extra wide t-shirt on this morning. I mean, I fit into all those, you know, categories. But we're looking for people who are faithful. Jesus said those who are faithful over a few things, I'll make them ruler over many things. We're looking for people who are available, ready and willing to serve and do whatever God asks of them. We're looking for people who are teachable, who don't know everything, but they're growing consistently and daily, becoming more and more like Jesus and a more devoted follower of Jesus. The same should be true of every church member. Ask yourself, am I fat? Am I fat? So you're not going to go home and say, what did Pastor David? He called us all fat. I mean, he just called us all fat. Am I fat? Would I be characterized as faithful, available, and teachable? Faithful to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Faithful to grow as a follower of Jesus. In verse 15, he talks about what it means. He says, he says rather speaking the truth and love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Did you realize spiritual maturity takes time and effort on the part of the church and the part of the church member? 
If you want to grow in your relationship, you've got to, if you're to strive to lead and create disciples, we must commit to growing in our faith, helping others grow closer to him. Paul says we're to grow up into every way into him. He talked of speaking the truth and love. Growing people in Christ, growing followers of Jesus, don't dance around the truth. They speak the truth, but they do it with love. They want others to grow in their relationship with, with God. And folks, if all we do is speak the truth, we'll go around offending the very people we're seeking to reach. You say, Pastor, what, what do you mean? We'll go around telling everybody, you're going straight to hell if you don't get saved. Instead of backing it up and doing it with love and saying, can I talk to you about how to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Same message. Do you realize the results are vastly different? Because you'll offend someone and not allow them to even hear that Jesus loves them and died so that they can know, have a personal relationship. But folks, if all we do is speak the truth and speak, speak in love, but not in truth, we overlook the fact that Christ came to redeem sinners. And we, uh, we overlook that, and they miss the gospel completely because all we're doing is saying, God loves everybody, come in, all, all one, come one, come all. The reality is we have to speak the truth in love. It's a growing process. And if we're to grow like Christ intended, it requires us engaging in discipleship. We're created to thrive in community. All of us need people around us to grow. Secondly, faithful to contribute. We're faithful to, as a disciple, but we've got to be faithful to contribute. Not only are we growing, but are we faithful to contribute? If all we do is have someone pouring into us, and there's no outlet, we become stagnant and stale. A healthy body of water, I've talked about it many times, has wa clean water coming in on one side, and on the other side it has clean water going out the other end. That's when you see a beautiful, pristine lake. They've got rivers and streams that flow into it. But on the dam side, there's water that's going out the other side. And it's giving life. It's giving new growth, new health. And folks, when, it, when nothing new is flowing in, it begins to decline. It starts looking murky and, and dark and debris begins to settle. The same thing if it doesn't have an outflow. It's no longer clear. The water becomes dingy. The same is true for the body of Christ. Church, we need people pouring into us. But we've got to have, maybe have an outlet to contribute. And that first area is serving. Church, we have got to be faithfully engaged in serving. If you want to see the hands and feet of Jesus, you look all around this campus on Sundays. And there's people serving all over the place. People are here before 8 o'clock on Sunday morning getting ready to serve the body of Christ. People right now are cooking hot dogs for the cookout that's going to happen in a few minutes. Beacons and, and workers are getting towels ready for those who are getting ready to get baptized. And people are teaching the gospel all over our campus right now on a child's level. And I was talking to a couple the other day. I said, the neat thing is your daughter is going to hear that Jesus loves her in the nursery at one years old. When she's three years old, she's going to learn more about Jesus and what he came to accomplish. And when she's five years old, she's going to understand what the gospel is truly all about and be confronted with well, how she can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Serving is vital. 
find a place to serve. Declare the name of Jesus in the triangle in the world. Every member must be serving. Every weekend I look around and I see people at the front doors. I remember when they got saved six months ago. I remember they joined the church two months ago. And they're standing out front greeting. And so when one of them says, is this your first time coming to Calvary? You've been coming here for the last 27 years. Just say, it's so good to see you. A big smile on your face. You know why? Because the reality is, is they're stepping up. They're engaging. They're serving. But not only serving, we're to contribute by giving. A faithful church member must engage in giving generously. Did you know that people who complain the most give nothing? And so the reality this morning is, if, if we're faithfully giving, you're laying up treasures in heaven. So when 13 new members are added to the church in one Sunday, you had a part. You had a part. You're giving. You're serving. You're contributing. Helped. When 10 people get baptized here in just a few moments, you had a part of that. Of taking the gospel to the triangle in the world. When we see missionaries, excuse me, in just a few weeks, uh, October, I think, 22nd, Pastor Elijah Morar from, from Romania will be here at our service. He's going to be preaching and sharing how God is using them to impact even those lives of those refugees from Ukraine. And he's going to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And while we were there, one of the kids that got saved in BBS was from Ukraine. And, and folks, we had an opportunity to impact her with the gospel. If you, when you give, you participate. You have rewards in heaven. When people are getting baptized, you're participating. And you get rewards in heaven. We don't have to give, church. We get to. It's a huge difference. We get to serve. We get to give. And folks, we also get to go. Last Sunday in Next Tups class, I was talking to our new members. I'm like, listen, if you don't have a passport, you need to go this week and start the process. Get your, get your passport. One of the greatest things you have as a, an American citizen is the freedom to travel and the freedom to take the good news of Jesus to the lost and dying world. And I was watching a video just the other day, and this guy said he was speaking to uh, disciple makers in China. And he says, I was watching, I posted it on my, on my page, and he said, I was watching, he says, I was teaching these Chinese disciple makers that work in the underground church in China. And he said, how many people are your churches responsible for in discipleship and it was only in one part portion of china he said they begin to add it up and they said 20 million he says no mind you there's 1.45 billion people in china he says 20 million their disciple makers are sitting in this service he said their, their training didn't last two or three hours like they would in the U.S. And we're, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling, you've worn me out, Pastor. He said, eight hours nonstop training. He says, after three days, we had built a rapport. We, love, we fell in love with these people. And he says, and he got done. 
He said, he says, I asked him, he said, what can I pray for you about? And he said, they looked at me as they said, in America, you have the freedom to, to worship in person without fear of being put in prison. He says, pray that one day we'll be just like you. He said, I sat there so convicted. Many of you traveled 20 hours to get here. People won't even travel an hour in the U.S. to go to church. We have Bibles everywhere on our shelves that are never read. And they're memorizing scripture written down on pieces of paper in jail. Said one lady quoted an entire chapter we were reading from the Bible in 1 Peter and she quoted it. He said, where did you learn that? She said, in prison. You have lots of time in prison. He said, well, don't they confiscate the Bibles? Yes, she said, but we write it down on pieces of paper. And you memorize it quickly because you know what's going to get taken away. And she says, he, he looked at the crowd and he says, I'm not going to pray that you become like us. I'm going to pray that we become more like Next month, when we talk about going, I want you to pray, God, why should I stay? Not, God, do you want me to go? Why should I stay? Because if what happens is if, if this church gets on mission for God and we're growing and, and God is doing a mighty work and we're unified around the gospel, you can't sit still. Folks, you're going to start serving, you're going to start giving, but folks, Get that passport, you'll get some stamps. You're going to start going. And church, you're going to see God do mighty things as we declare his name to the nation. Say, Pastor, what's the application? What if God started telling our church to do something far bigger than we've ever dreamed? Much bigger than anything we've ever dreamed of. How hard would you work against it, unwilling to change? There's an old saying that they put on the tombstone in front of every closed church. We never did it that way before. If that's our mentality, God, change our hearts. God, change our hearts. Maybe we'd be willing to move as the Holy Spirit of God moves. As he's changing. Maybe we'll let go of the old and embrace the new of what God wants to do in our hearts and lives. And it's going to be difficult for some of us because it's going to mean dusting off the cleats. Strapping them back on. And you know what? Old dirty cleats, they reek. I've got four teenagers in my house. Every time they get in the car after a meet, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Keep those shoes on. You wait till you get home, and you can do that in the privacy of your own room. But I don't want to die inside this car with you. I'm driving. you know. But you're going to have to dust off those old cleats. Lace them back on. Put the, the jersey back on. And you're going to have to get back on the court. 
You're going to have to get back on the field. And you're going to have to let the, the, the pastor, the, the coach, the, the, the leadership around us encourage you. Call the plays. And we're going to have to engage again in the church that Jesus Christ has placed us in. We're here to cheer you. We're here to lead you. We're here to encourage you. We're to preach and teach the word of God. But folks, it requires each one of us to be a functioning member of the church to engage if we're ever going to win our city to faith in Jesus Christ. It's going to require additional services. There's people sitting all around the whole back of the building this morning. It's going to require you to get here a little earlier. Stay a little bit later. Park a little further out. But the reality is, is as we do that, as we contribute, as we serve, as we give, as we go, we get to see God do supernatural things, exceeding, abundant things, greater things that we could not imagine. When the local church works and operates in this way, the kingdom of God wins. It's built. It's expanded. Somewhere along the way in many churches today, the team left the court. They left the field. They moved into the stands, and they became critics and spectators. And the coaches are sitting there holding the ball going, how are we going to get this thing down the field? How are we going to make the next play? How are we going to reach this next portion of our... How are we going to reach the people that will move into those 250 apartments next door? Have you traveled up 401 lately? Have you seen it? Every single piece of land says for sale. God is bringing the entire world to our doorstep, folks. Don't sleep through it. Don't get angry because of the traffic. Just leave a little earlier. And see what God is going to do. He is going to transform his church it's not going to be the same two, three hundred people. It's going to be 500, 800, 1,000. Because it's what God is beginning to do. He's going to radically transform this church as we seek him. One thing as a pastor, you get to know other pastors. And many of them are discouraged right now. They've come through the last four years. And the only thing that kept them hanging on was they didn't have any other options. Am I right? I heard many, many pastors say I had another option right now I'd take it during the last four years. I know a church right now that had 30 on Sunday last week. They're still without a pastor. And yet they refuse to budge one inch that they might reach their city with the gospel. I'm talking in an area that is exploding with growth. God help us never to be that kind of person. God help us to engage 
Somewhere along the way, we've got to get our cleats back on and get back in the game. The local church has begun to decline. The church, it's time we re-engage and reach our city. It's time for the church to re-engage. It's time to be the church and help build up the body of Christ. Calvary, what makes us successful is when we repent of our sins, when we call on the God of heaven, and we get back in the game, united around the gospel of Jesus Christ, and realize each one of us are vital to the building up of the body of Christ. Church, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from engaging in the church of Jesus Christ? Confess it to the Lord this morning and get back in the game. Holy Spirit, would you do a mighty radical transformation in your church this morning?